Darlings, before we get to this week's show, I'd like to invite you to come see me live. That's right. The Luminaries will be posting up once a month at Housing Works Bookstore Cafe in Soho. Heard of it? And our very first edition is going to be a banger. Thursday, June 6th at 7 p.m. I'm interviewing the supreme stunt queens of comedy, Sydney Washington and Marie Faustin. There's going to be a full bar, hot people, and a little dance party courtesy of DJ Swoon. It's $8 and I want to see looks. Come wearing culottes. See you there. Moi. They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the Luminaries. Today I'm speaking to Emily Allen and Leah Hennessy, creators and co-stars of the new play Slash, which hits Joe's Pub on June 10th. Slash is a lurid plunge into the worlds of erotic fanfiction, often written by women. In the play, the two stars blast through time, space, and fandoms, from Kirk and Spock to Ivanka and Tiffany Trump, in an endless fractal dance. Allen and Hennessy are also two parts of the cult downtown web series Gigi. For this interview, we're joined by their fellow Gigi creator and star, Ruby McAllister. So before we get into anything, I kind of need to stage an intervention for myself. This is what's going on. The last three fiction books I've read have all been of a very specific subgenre. First, there was Madeline Miller's The Song of Achilles, yes. which is a very gay, well, there's, it doesn't need to be a gay retelling because the original story of Achilles and Patroclus yeah. is gay. Then I tried to go through a Mary Renault phase with fire from heaven which is her retelling of alexander the great but i got bored and now i am going through this very intense um as ruby knows mists of avalon oh, by marion zimmer oh. bradley phase which is the woman <laughs> they're taking notes right now which is a, a woman author retelling the king arthur story um yes so i I'm noticing a lot, and I know that you two have a lot of expertise on this subject, and I guess where I want to start with it is I have never read anything so mellifluous and fabulously Baroque in my life, Um, just in terms of, I mean, this is kind of why I had to stop reading Mary Renault, but she would describe a bowl of grapes over paragraphs and paragraphs, and Especially with Marion Zimmer Bradley, there is just like, oh, God, in Avalon, these fucking goddess rituals where they're just like slathering Arthur in blood and then putting the horns on him and then he's fucking his sister. But it's like, it's so drawn out and it's beautiful, but it's just very different to me because I'm more used to the like... Well, even if you think about the movie Troy and you compare that to Song of which Achilles. I do, which I yeah. do think about right. often. It's, yeah, and, you're yeah. really doing some major Leah Hennessy keywords here. Okay. Think <laughs> about Troy. Well, you well, know, I th- I, it's interesting. I was just thinking about, I was just thinking about the structure of Song of Achilles, mm-hmm. and which I really have to thank you. We both wanted, we wanted yeah. to come here today to thank you for turning <laughs> us on to Madeline Miller. And I feel uh, also, if any of our friends or anyone who I've ever talked to is listening to this, um, you're canceled. I, you're can't. You're 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 all canceled <laughs> because no one except David Goldberg told us to read Song of Achilles, which is a best-selling book. Cersei, yeah. I tried to buy online. You can't get that book secondhand. Actually, we tried you, to yeah. order it from the library, and the librarian was like, yeah, 200. you can, you're 1,000th in line. <laughs> no, it was literally your number 247. I to don't get know Cersei. why it took off. I don't know why Cersei's the one that's everywhere. It's on every goddamn M train well, I've Cersei been on. Well, Cersei is excellent love also. I love, I <laughs> what love, is that going to do? I love, I love Cersei and Song of Achilles equally they're di- di- separate but equal and i think they're they're great but like <laughs> but i think that one of the things i was thinking about with um song of achilles is that it it structurally is pretty conventional it is like a normal uh kind of coming of age novel uh, in a way not, yeah absolutely and, and it's and it's not and in that way it's really not like fan fiction or slash fiction whereas something like mist of avalon which is where is the beginning? Where is the end? Like she tacks on this really. Um, did you finish? Did you finish it? No, but it doesn't matter. Well, let me I just know say that at the end there is this like there, at the end of Mist of Avalon, that first book there mm-hmm. is this like novel with a capital N yeah. 
epilogue that like sums it all up and you're like oh this was a real book but actually it's no it's, it's and not. it feels like that was like an editorial afterthought an editorial intervention yeah yes because it because it could have gone on infinitely like it as truly, episodically truly but it, it's interesting you say that because the inverse i would say is true of song of achilles where the iliad i don't really know where it starts or begins and then song of achilles <laughs> is this like Almost Tumblr ready, mm. hyper concise. Like I was a boy and he was Achilles. Then he died. Then I died. Like it's <laughs> yes. so, it's so like packaged. Um, I guess I'm just curious about. I don't know what I'm kind of reeling with is like, this just is not what gay men do. Like this is not what I'm used to. I'm more used to gay men like sticking their dicks in it or like making it a joke or making it drag, which mm. is great and and fully reverential. There's, in terms of erotic, in, in terms, terms of erotic of, fiction, or what? In terms of in, what? Right. In terms of like retelling kind of iconic or legendary mythology, or just even like, like what you two do with Slash. If gay men did that, it would be just drag, which is fine. But there's something about this specific thing, which is women retelling the stories of of either legends or history or pop culture, where it's extremely serious. And I think that's what I was trying to get at with the beginning in terms of the kind of hyper mellifluous writing is like, I'm just curious about that aspect. Uh, and even when you look at Tumblr, like I remember the Vampire Diaries Tumblr pages would be sepia tone black and white mm -hmm. like dead serious this is not a fucking joke and i'm just curious about that where that comes from how you guys have been interacting with that in this process and i know that's a lot no i think this is this is this is obviously something we talk about and i think that what drew at least what drew me to the world of of fan fiction like really overdosing on fan fiction and and reading you know 72 chapter alternate universe richard the third sherlock yeah AU. yes mm. that's what i was thinking of yeah that's that's a classic it's sherlock and john <laughs> of the bbc show of the bbc sherlock in as richard the third and hamlet isn't there like it's like a oh, it's like yeah. a mashup yeah. shakespeare and it's like mm -hmm. this yeah like 72 chapter mm -hmm. Totally indulgent, you know, mm -hmm. like endless Death and resurrection, yeah, and like yeah. endless pages about like the tapestries, like these poorly right. researched, yeah. like poorly researched, <laughs> like historically inaccurate, like you know, odes to like the bed, the hangings <laughs> around, around like King Watson slash Richard, mm -hmm. you know, bed bed tapestries, you know, right. like that, and um, and it's shameless, mm -hmm. and it's way too extra and it's so indulgent and like I do think there's something I hate to call it feminine but there is something in a tradition of uh, women writers that like I really love and respect like you know like someone like Angela Carter who mm -hmm. like for me when I read Angela Carter for the first time I felt like oh oh like I could write the way I want to write or like what I have to say as a writer could actually matter in a way. And like, I didn't know that I felt that way before mm. I read Angela Carter, but mm -hmm. like, um, and there is like a, I'm not allowed, You're, mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to write this. I can let myself go. Yeah. And like the shamelessness of like indulging in beauty or the shamelessness of like purple prose, you know, and like I remember mm -hmm. being in middle school and like learning, like learning the concept of purple prose and being like, okay, <laughs> like let me just like make like what, like don't say anything, like be Hemingway, like you know, keep it together, you know, mm -hmm. be Hemingway, keep it together. <laughs> yes, queen. Like, whether whether or not you know, slash fiction is like a feminine or fan fiction is a feminine form. There's definitely a feminized stigma attached to right. it. Yes. And at the end of Song of Achilles, there's a interview where Gregory Maguire interviewed Madeline Miller. Oh, God. Another, you know, book I, I read this year um, that Leah put me onto. <laughs> put me onto Wicked if you haven't read it. You know, check it out. Um, I would another, like Wick Wicked could stand for a little more indulgence. I think so, too. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, specific, I think it really falls off in the like second in, half in of the book. As a militant terrorist, more mil anyway. But with, uh, we'll get into that Wicked militant I would like to yeah. hear that, yeah. Um, Storyline just totally drop. It's like kind of reactionary. But, I, and, but anyway, what I was going to say was that <laughs> he, 
he asks <laughs> he asks her or I think he asks her something about fan fiction and she says she describes showing her boyfriend an early version of Song of Achilles and him saying, aren't you scared? People are just going to call this fan fiction. And Which the New York Times pretty much did. did. And she yeah. said, know. you know what? <laughs> like, um, this is my book. This is my story. I'm, I want to write the story of Achilles and Patroclus right. as I understand it. And if people call it fan fiction, they call it fan fiction. I also just want to say, we got an email from our friend Sparrow, the poet mm. Sparrow. Um, Legendary who, New York you know, poet. Obsessed. East Village luminary uh, in his own right. But um, who wrote to us saying um, that he was thinking about our play Slash. And one of the things that it brought up for him was that, you know, Shakespeare was just writing fan fiction. All the characters, you know, which is, right. you know, it's kind of like a meme, like hits blunt, like... <laughs> You ever think about how Shakespeare is just fan fiction? Like he's just writing about Richard the Third and stuff. But um, but I I do is, I yeah. do think that the idea I think that you know obviously obviously we all know this you know the idea that the the presumption that that content is supposed to be original that like a novel is supposed to be an original mm-hmm. idea with new characters that's like a pretty recent idea mm-hmm. and or that theater is you know right. like this idea this this like this standard of making up new, fresh characters and i think that in a way you know with like the trend going on now with like let's remake like charmed and sabrina and right. i don't know why those are the same things there's a lot more variety but like shrek the <laughs> yeah Sh- shrek the musical which i of course can relate this all back to 9-11 but keep going all right but, oh like, yeah. let's get into that <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, sh- we should we should but, get into that but yeah there's you know and there and you know there's this kind of there's this kind of like uh like there's this kind of like posturing like that's not what we all want and like that's not normal but Which like, of course it is what we all and want. it's normal right. and it's and it's you know you you work on the myths you, you have available to you and why would you create an original no. character and and you know there's only twelve stories or whatever anyway mm-hmm. so so yeah something being just fan fiction is like a totally outdated no of course because totally, listen dude. I mean Let the, me... the Marvel <laughs> movies are only doing well because they're predicated on this notion of like well these are stories that you kind of already knew from childhood but it's like no one knew Guardians of the Galaxies when I no one no, I can no. tell you no one has ever heard of that I've but the idea it. that it existed <laughs> in the 70s gives it this sense of like safety and, and this you can trust it it's, you're not being sold ostensibly alive of something new because right. I think people yeah people know now it, it's all bullshit like the idea that you're crafting something new and original is male propaganda yes definitely you know what just came to mind was that this is just an idea it just came to me i'll just test it on you guys um if shakespeare was writing fan fiction maybe shakespeare was a woman (laughs) boom that was in the did you see that yesterday and bbc did publish uh i think shakespeare's a woman article and I think I'm Emily psychic, so yeah. yeah no, I know I, I, the, the Cassandra of our it's group. Like my, uh, is really, telepathic powers are yeah, specific. no, it's all, she's always on game. Yeah, she's BB. always on point. The BBC piece yeah. was written by Jermaine Greer in hiding. Um, <laughs> hot, <laughs> hot, hot. It's getting hot in here. Yeah. So let's go back to Wicked for a minute because Wicked to me is actually mm. a perfect example. Okay, so Wicked, you have this book that is. To me, more as if it was written by a woman because it's so serious. (laughs) Okay, but it is—it's more in line of that, like very serious, reverential, hyper-political story. But then you have the musical, which is fag. The musical is like written by a woman. Yes, which which is written, which is actually written by a woman. Are we allowed to say that? That what? The musical is written by a woman. It is. It is. Okay. It's Do I written need to, like, by. Sign th- an NDA for that. It's the musical. Who wrote, it's the woman um, who wrote my so-called yeah. life. It's Winnie Harlow. Shut the fuck up. That's her oh. name. No, not Winnie Harlow. That's that model. It's Winnie, <laughs> Winnie Marlowe. That's Can you imagine that? That's that beautiful yeah. model. No, it's Winnie. Here, Winnie something. Yeah. Sh- she didn't write the music, but she wrote the book. Winnie. She wrote the- her name play. is Holzman. Winnie Holzman. Holzman. Yeah, Winnie okay. Holzman wrote Wicked. But so I, I disagree that, that Wicked is 
is um, is I mean we're using to- just a disclaimer. <laughs> these ideas like feminine and masculine writing are just wrong and yeah. stupid but let's proceed because i think they're really useful but they're like just totally but yeah no they're just course, stupid but something's right? going on but we're something but we're but we're talking and it's right. important but like i think that wicked to me is <laughs> we're, it's important because yeah, we're talking because we're it's talking. important <laughs> because we are talking right now so listen, i think everything we're saying wrong should you continue all, to listen absolutely and that we're saying so, it is what's important okay, but, so to me wicked is not feminine because <laughs> It's self-important, and it's 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 deliberately um, like not marginalizing itself, mm-hmm. and it's and it's um, self-serious in a way that's conceptual. And I think that there's a gimmick of Wicked, which is this like kind of highfalutin morality, which Gregory mm-hmm. Maguire doesn't deliver on, which yeah. is like because he gets because we I, I can't get into the whole Wicked series, but I think that. There's a there's a seriousness of intent with Wicked, which is um, like rewriting the morality, and it's not so much about the actual experience of Alphaba the witch. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where it actually fails. Is mm-hmm. that like I think that it, it comes gets a from a little bit into the like sensory descriptions of her the difference of Alphaba. There's the some world. of that, but I think it falls and it's off. Not enough. It's not enough. Yeah. It's not enough feeling, and I think that. I think that he got trapped in making it an important morality, story. an important morality story, and like a, and like a political, and like a vague political allegory. And I don't actually think it's indulgent enough. What mm-hmm. I mean to say is that those aspects, and also mm-hmm. the aspects that the story, I think, kind of goes all over the place mm. in in a similar true, to way right. to, to like not necessarily similar to Miss of Avalon, but in that way. Okay, so you have that, but then when it goes to Broadway, you have that story which doesn't really make sense on Broadway. And then yeah. what what is take it? So you have the serious kind of the novel's fandom, which I think mm-hmm. would be more in line with what we were talking about. And then you have the show, which is been swept up by gays because it's like big and fab and fab. But to me, there's such a dissonance between like mm-hmm. what what each fandom is taking from each piece, and that's what I meant to bring up. Yes, right. That's totally true. And and I mean, you could write like a whole very self serious thesis about the tra- like the 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 total cognitive dissonance of the transition from Wicked the novel to Wicked the show mm-hmm. because it's it's the weirdest. We we just were, we just were in this world for a really long time because we were writing. A wicked adaptation, and and so we and so and so we. I just got chills because I forgot. And so and so we were and like trying to reconcile the world of Wicked, the musical with Mm -hmm. Wicked the play is just. I can't. I never. I can't even make a connection. Fragmented. Yeah, I've Mm. never felt cognitive. It's it's too it's too weird. And then like, Mm. and then also, even going into like. You know, the Wizard of Oz, we're both crazy Wizard of Oz fanatics in a really serious, Mm -hmm. not ironic way. And it's like the Wizard of Oz is this sprawling, I will say the word, queer, decentralized, Mm. um, strange, just fundamentally Mm -hmm. strange world um, that's discontinuous. Like I'm trying to write an Oz thing and, and the... The lack of continuity and like the constant retconning is so frustrating for me because it's like I actually do cling to some kind of linear narrative. And like the world of Oz is so indulgent, self-contradictory, queer, weird, and and fragmented. And then the fact that it became this like um not monolithic, but this mm-hmm. like classic um, classic canon film which has like the clearest George Lucas kind of beginning mm-hmm. middle end hero's mm-hmm. journey that's like not native to to Al Frank Baum's Oz even mm-hmm. so so the point yeah. is that Oz is just like an endless um it's so weird that you you know I've, I've been thinking of uh, back to King Arthur because when I just read T.H. White's The Once and Future King yeah. it's also 
a fucking, like, I don't know what was going on with those closeted Englishmen um, in the middle of the century, but it is, it's fucking, like, it's all over the place. There's weird retcons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guinevere just, like, pops up with no introduction. Morgos is there, like, skinning cats, but you, you don't even know who she is. Like, mm-hmm. it's a complete mess. Mm-hmm. So, there, yeah, there is something to be said about that. But then you, right, then you switch over to Gregory Maguire or Marion Zimmer Bradley, and you get these kind of overly... Um, um, not present, but like in the in the womb, pulling the baby out, kind of zoomed yeah. in versions. Mm. That's really mm. interesting. Yeah, yeah. that it's. Yeah. A, I like. I like. I think that that's actually key. What you just said is, I think, key to the way that we've been interested in approach, mm-hmm. approaching fan fiction, which is like, it's about zooming in on the moment, mm. and like, I think for us, and like, I think that that's what that's like a lot of the thing that drives fan fiction is is that you have this story and there's satisfying parts and there's anticipatory parts but you you want more of a certain moment or a certain feeling and mm. you want to unpack a certain mm-hmm. sensation and then you kind of do it over and over and over mm-hmm. again and you like replay it on repeat like a super cut of a of a tiny fragment and like i think that that's kind of what um, especially the newer version of Slash yeah. is about gets into that like endless moment of yearning. Yes, oh, wow. and mm. you know I'm because, excited. Yeah, and some, some because you know I have other friends who enjoy literature on on the archive, the archive of our own, mm. um, and are more into like the smut stories mm. or you know stuff that maybe. Is is you could you could put more in the category of like porn or erotica, but I think that the 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 style of fan fiction writing, which has a strange consistency um, across you know across cross canon consistency, is that is that um, the the idea of like the the people who are drawn to, the 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 figures who are drawn together and kept apart, mm. and the kind of like yeah desperate yearning i want you i don't want you i can't say it will he say it his hand touched my yeah. hand his and then it's like for us it's like we'll be reading yeah these like 72 chapter au sherlock uh Potterlock epics, yeah. epics and like you know reading it walking down the street on your phone walking into people <laughs> being that person on the train and then it's like as soon as they get into the sex it's like okay i'm over it yeah, I, I like, really feel that way. And I really and, feel that with fan fiction especially, I really as soon as anything happens, as mm-hmm. soon as there any as there as soon as there is any kind of consummation of the yearning, mm. I'm not interested anymore. For me that's what cuz fan fiction mm-hmm. for me is not about that. I mean unless it's like No, unless, it's about the yearning, right? Unless yeah. I mean yeah. and that doesn't have to mean I can be into I can like you know, like, say yeah, it's, it's a Sherlock fan fiction. Yeah. Like, they can be fucking and it can yeah. be explicit, but as long as they haven't said, I love you, or whatever it is. Right. Or they can be saying, I love you, but they haven't fucked. It doesn't really matter. As long <laughs> as there's still that unresolved tension, tension, I'm hooked. And then as soon as it's happening and it's about sensation and pleasure, I'm just like a... Like, yeah. And I think that's what that's what, like, that's kind of what we wanted to make more explicit. at the forefront of the new version of Slash. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. It's so tragic. I mean, it's so sad. It's I so guess I just sad. feel like masculine quote quote fandom is all about the cum shot. Yeah. And it's like there's this tragic element <clears throat> with this fandom of like 
you're so close to this thing, but you can never have it. And you're all, and there's a shame element to it. Cause it's like heavy shame. Even the idea of slash fiction, it's like they've, there's this self relegation to the margins. Like it's, it can only be, yeah, it's, 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 it's tragic. And, and I think back to Miss of Avalon, I think what's so appealing to me about Miss of Avalon. And it's, I think why I didn't read the other books. Cause Mm -hmm. I, I was so yeah. I kind of it kind of got it all from that one book and in that book to me when I was reading it I was always looking forward and looking back and thinking like okay they're gonna love each other mm. or they did love mm-hmm. each other and it's never in the moment and it's always delayed yeah. and then mm. and then at the end you're like oh this scene when Except they were lying the in the grass when that's when they of... were happy <laughs> like that's when they loved each other and it's you you're never given the the like the night of bliss like you're always it's always like it was lost or it hasn't happened yet and so it really keeps you on your toes the whole time Mm -hmm. i have a theory that the sinead o'connor album faith and courage is a retelling of the mists of avalon I love Sorry. it. If you Fuck. slow it down, <laughs> we have to stop. And if you play like a Pink Floyd thing, if you pl- no, it's like it a Pink Floyd. And oh, if you play, if you slow it down, Emma's song. If you, if you, yeah, if you slow down Faith and Courage, um, to like, uh, and and play it as you read the Mist of Avalon straight, it syncs up perfectly. It's like Pink Floyd and um. So on the on the um. You guys should no, go no, no, and... keep going. Sorry. There's well, like a there's like a light a laser a laser light show element. Is there to no, Sinead no, no, O'Connor no, to no, Slash? No. Just I think maybe to future fan fiction <laughs> endeavors <laughs> for the both of you. But this is just me. I'm no, just top of the doming uh, here. You know what I'm saying? I'm just riving. Classic riff. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'm the laser light show. Laser light yeah, show. like like the dark side of the moon uh, with your buzz thing. Like there I just think there's just I'll talk to you later about it. But but to <laughs> me that's almost antithetical because what I love so much about Slash is how stripped down and bare it is, which truly is a tribute to this like non-money-making margin shadow art form. So a part of me is like, (laughs) I'm trying to imagine, because anything that gay men do, I I, like needs more of a budget always. But with what you two do, I'm like, no, they need to just be in like black smocks at all times. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned But for this. I'm I'm so impressed that we're not reading as gay men. No, <laughs> that's that's yeah. what why when I saw Slash, I was like, I don't I, what what's going on. Yeah. And and it, it made me feel a lot of the things I felt like at comic conventions, which is like <laughs> there is this movement that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like something I wanted to ask you guys. I was at New York Comic Con a few years ago and there was a screening. It was before Jessica Jones had started. They did a screening of the first episode and <laughs> You know, they did the surprise thing of, like, which cast members are here? And when they said that David Tennant was not in attendance... <laughs> I don't even want to know. I don't want to know Like, what there you was, did. like, the rights there of was, yeah. it, There was a woman, not a girl, a, a woman behind me who let out this shriek oh. from the bottom yeah. of her soul. And it, I, I remember being, like... Tearing what her clothes, happened? shaving her head. It was, yeah. it was, it was beyond yearning. It was fever. It was mm-hmm. like, it was, it was pain. Mm-hmm. A- and it, that is not the, like, I come from the, uh, a space of like, well, this is my thing because I have nothing else. Mm-hmm. Or this is this thing I'm obsessed with quietly, but I don't talk about it. And that's changed now, now that you have like hot gay guys on Instagram who are like, I love Marvel movies. Like, right, and, the, and the changing of nerd culture yes. in general. But as, that is that is the real it's different. deal. That it's different. is something the, the, else. The, the, like, the yeah. like, ululating, like, Greek, <laughs> the, like, Greek yeah. grieving hysteria of David Tennant is, yeah. is a new thing. Is an, it's not a new it's thing, not a new thing, but it's, it's an invisible thing. thing. Yes. It's an old thing. It's an invisible thing. thing. It's ancient. But it's it, ancient. And I think, like, we right now, um, like, part of what inspired slash was our voyeuristic obsession with these mostly young girls on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them wouldn't call themselves girls. Some of them are not. Yeah, yeah, some of them are not. That's what I'm saying. Mostly, it's like a largely feminine group, Mm -hmm. but it's not entirely. And like, 
these mostly Sherlock obsessed girls, also supernatural. Who later got into supernatural, um, which was hard and Doctor Who, and yeah, but like they, yeah, but, and the Doctor but, he, Who ooh. transition one, was was weird too. But the one that I think we're the, there's one that we're really oh obsessed God. with right now. Um, I don't know who the person is, but the account is. Um, Shelly stands. Shelly underscores. Shelly, Shelly, Mary Shelly, yeah, like 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 Percy, Percy Bish, oh, like Shelley. Percy Bish, yeah. Percy Bish. Shelly, that is the faggiest thing I've Shelley ever heard. Shelly underscore stands, and Shelly yeah, stands the best is like the best, Instagram most account. condensed exploration of that perspective sexuality, and it's like, it's like you, uh, it's also yeah. also I want to give a shout out to. <laughs> Um, a music video that has has really affected us recently, which is by this um, musician. This new, yes. native. Okay, York. okay. okay. Native we're doing it. We're, we're doing it. This no, I mean, native. It let me so, just say yeah. quickly, and we can talk about it more. But um, there's this <laughs> musical artist, musical artist, a musical artist um, named yes. Samantha Echo. She's from the Upper West Side, You're like me. And Samantha Echo <laughs> has this new music video called Nick's Mom. Called Nick's Mom. Samantha Echo, Nick's Mom. And she has a post it in the video on the wall that says, like, says, I. I've only I've only a girl who's only had sex with Lord Byron's ghost. Yes, yeah. Yeah. isn't that yeah, the yeah, phrase? Yeah. Age fourteen. <laughs> Age fourteen. Only boy she's ever had sex with is the ghost of Lord Byron, and that's and it. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. That's but it. also mm-hmm. Nick's mom is a very like explicit story of anguish in itself. I mean, that's a whole. It's, that's a whole other. I, mean, I think. Okay, I'll talk, think yeah. I'll talk there's about also that an essay called "The Glass Coffin" on what, yes. Samantha Echo's website. You know, you can read about it in her own words. Samantha Echo is one of the most important artists. Of our generation. Dealing with this stuff that we're talking about. And the and, bravest artist. And because she, she's she's indulgent, she's living it, but she's also has the, the distance of an academic and she's reflecting on, on her identity and sexuality and cultural place and historical situation. I mean, she's really doing the work for all of us, mm-hmm. Samantha Echo. Yeah. Um, but this, you know, girl who's only had sex with the ghost of Lord Byron. Like, that is the the wailing over David Tennant Mm -hmm. also. I think that's connected. And I think it goes back that far. And it's like, and further. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, the women who literally wrote to the real Mm -hmm. Lord Byron. Right. You know, throwing themselves at him. And, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, their sexuality being consumed with this unfulfillable fantasy. After he was exiled. After he was exiled for being... uh, for being for, for being an incestuous yeah. for being an in, in oh, incestuous yes. at like right. age twenty two incest mm-hmm. and buggery Legends. and yeah. yeah and and correct me if I'm wrong but um, Shelley is the one who who washed up on the shore on the rocks mm-hmm. yes. right so again just noting that we're speaking with two Scorpios about yes. Shelley who <laughs> whose body was found just kind of on the coast of Italy anyways and Lord Byron, <laughs> Lord Byron and, and, Lord, and Byron. Lord Byron Achilles and Patroclus style oh. Lord Byron burned his body, his body on the beach Corcordium heart of hearts and without yeah. you know a non-Christian yeah. pagan even pagan. though Lord Byron at that point was, was Catholic. Was a Did you guys Catholic. read or watch <laughs> Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell? You know what? I yeah. had that book on my bookshelf mm. for my entire middle school and high school, mm. and then I threw it away. Mm. Yeah, and I never throw away a book, so <laughs> no, I don't know what I have. Some I have some. That's unresolved. powerful. I think because I, I forget who it was. Maybe like Borges or some shit who said like the most important books aren't the ones you read; they're the ones that sit on your bookshelf and you don't read them and because you attach some magical that's exactly how yeah. I feel thank you Borges yeah, thank you so back to Samantha Echo um, Ruby I feel like you have some really I, I really do well, think this is important to talk about right now well I mm-hmm. think well, the Samantha Echo also I just wanted to mention that you we all three all Leah, Emily and myself Ruby McAllister we're all Venus Virgo mm-hmm. which is huge which is huge about yeah. anguish and and Tragedy. Please refer <laughs> to the Channing Nicholas episode where I ask, why am I obsessed with Venus Virgo? But that's for reference. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, anguish, yeah. tragedy. Cross archive. You can cross. Yeah. Right. But I think Samantha Echo, see, 
I am the collaborator of both Emily and Leah. However, I'm not a part of their mutual <laughs> slash fiction obsession, but really, which gives me sort of an interesting, interest, interesting vantage point to the Samantha Echo phenomenon. Because okay. specifically, the song Nick's Mom mm-hmm. is about essentially a girl who befriends her crush's mother. And has and the okay, look at me. I'm with you. And (laughs) (laughs) the music video is of Samantha Echo meeting Nick's mom in Bryant Park outside for coffee. Okay. And that nuanced relationship and nuanced situation, location, everything. So the the music and the music video and the song sort of goes back and forth in terms of Samantha Echo's like intimate mythological Snow White. Mm. It's child. There's home movies of Samantha Echo's star making performance in elementary school of her as the lead in Snow White as this Mm. beautiful child intercut with her in the present, Mm -hmm. like grotesquely like drinking a bottle of wine, wearing fairy wings dressed as Snow White in her mom's apartment. And then like in her submerging herself in an Ophelia-like way uh, in the bathtub, maybe some Uh, like suicide je ne sais quoi's, thinking back to Nick's mom. You also hear in the music video a voice message from Nick's mom being like, which is iconic. This is iconic. I'm paraphrasing here, but it's ostensibly, hey, Samantha, long time no see. Um, I just wanted to tell you that I... I'm in a production of that cool, that gr- cool, groovy, cool, groovy upstate th- Riverdale. Uh, oh no, groovy Riverdale Theater production. Company production in a production of Hamlet. of Hamlet, playing Gertrude, and I'm playing wow. Gertrude. Yes. Wow! 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 wow also, wow, wow. I feel like um, I have to say that the video is also intercut with a detective, like conspiracy style um, bulletin board yes. with mm. pins and string, trying to figure out. The secret of Samantha Echo's um, stunted arrested development, arrested development right. with clues, mm. including like gets bullied by kids at school, obsessed with wants to be a British man, which is only seen for a split right. second right. before you can really, really read, read it. Yeah, it. Lord Byron's <laughs> ghost is the only man she's ever had sex with, and so that's. It's this, it's such a beautiful, it's like the most brave, specific, nuanced piece of work of our time. And it also is sort of the other side of the slash fiction is like the reality of the, of the existence, like the reality of the anguish that isn't in, like couched in homoerotic fantasies i I, I think before we get off samantha echo too i i think that that music video is if we're talking to me if i would define if i could want to if i was going to define the masculine and feminine in the context of this Mm. conversation i would Mm. assign the feminine to this samantha echo video okay and i would assign the masculine to the my chemical romance i'm not okay there we go and And that is the binary we're working with here yes and it is i'm not okay it's so literally yes and it's the and it's the it's the opening of the video when he says you like dnd fangoria audrey hepburn and croquet Mm -hmm. um you can't swim you can't dance and you don't know karate (laughs) face it you're never gonna make it and gerard way says i don't want to make it i just want to Guitar, right. guitar, overdriven guitar, guitar theatrics, and it's like guitar wants, theatrics, guitar emphasis. theatrics, and it's like Gerard Way. I mean, I could talk about Gerard Way all day, mm-hmm. but it's yeah, like it's absolutely, yeah. He kind of forced himself into this, and actually, back to nine eleven. There we actually, go. Actually, right here, Gerard Way <laughs> was this like nerdy kid who did comic book drawings, mm-hmm. and then on nine eleven. He had this revelation about mortality or his place in the world, and so he transformed himself into this like rock star, ambitious man, and fronted the band. And then, as he matured, went back to comic books, yeah, mm-hmm. right. which is the not beauty. Not as much right. of man anymore, and, and is not as much of a man yeah. anymore. And yeah. I think that he really forced this. He forced this like striving masculinity on himself. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make it. I just want it. What does he want to do? Yeah. And it's like that is the masculine and Samantha Echo self-destructing in the mm-hmm. bathtub mm-hmm. and make, and being so honest about who she her or marginalization. Mm-hmm. 
like and not seeing it in the context of like um mainstream culture mm, even right. or like achi- i mean i or i ambition. think that, yes yeah. that's like the dichotomy yeah it's the it's two different dichotomies of of uh or recognizing you, how stunted you are or, i mean is that are we is is this because i mean if we take it back to like byron and shelley is this uh, has please, this become please. like the repository for the collective kind of poetic heartbreak that mm. used to be expressed by the poets and actual writers mm. and sages that now doesn't exist anymore so now it's just kind of like feeling around in these convention floors and in this fiction i mean is that is it just like a transference of energy or what because it's i think real. it's i think it's i think if we talk about fan fiction i think it's i think women have have always written outside of the publishing world not i don't mean exclusively there's also right. also the best selling authors of all time are mostly women so that's right. another idea, that, and and largely fan fiction style yeah, writing. And Shakespeare, and sha- yeah, but may have been a woman. <laughs> and Shakespeare well, may have we'll been just a woman. Say but, was <laughs> <laughs> but like I think that women, um, I think women have <clears throat> are more likely to write without, uh, without needing assurance that it will or could be published. And I think that archive of our own is a kind of feminine space because mm-hmm. it's it's anti-commercial right it's community oriented it's not so much about um staking out it's not as like colonial like mm. staking out territory as your own making right. original content it's right. like it's it's not as impure it's not as imperial mm-hmm. whereas um you know i think the world of like nerd poetry even even family. poetry or yeah. published poetry mm-hmm. or novels it's like um obviously there's there's women publishing and have been since mm-hmm. the dawn of time, but I think like uh, with archive of our own and with like fan fiction communities, we are just seeing writing that we wouldn't have seen otherwise that would have mm-hmm. been happening anyway. Right. I I would second that. <laughs> I just I'm just it, I just have to, like to me. There's always yes, I agree with you, but I'm like if I just think about most female authors even a hundred years ago, their whole thing from writing on the margins was that they were salty, smarter than the men, really um, subversive, often bleak. Like, I mean, this is so such a boring example, but if I think about like Jane Austen or Dorothy Parker, Mm. everything they did was about like being more clever Mm -hmm. and less sentimental than the men. Now it's almost reversed where we have like these man boys in the Marvel movies who are doing this kind of like post Judd Apatow I'm in on the joke, but I'm actually not because I'm not funny because I'm a man and an idiot. And then you have these women who are like, I am going to rip my top off Mm -hmm. for David Tennant and cry and get on my knees and be as literally and purely emotional as Mm -hmm. I can be. So I just think there's been there still has been some sort of an interesting switch. Not to contradict you. I think it it goes in line with what you're saying. I think. Well, I think that I think that. There obviously there have been pla- there obviously have been female authors who have this kind of arch sensibility mm-hmm. and um, you know overcoming their uh, sentimentality through or displays of intelligence. Yes, like aggressive but, displays of intelligence. Mm-hmm. But you know, but, but for Jane, every like, Jane Austen, like there's an Emily Bronte, you right, know, right. and like I think like, and I think like, um, like Dorothy Parker. Is like I mean I, I actually don't even want to talk about Dorothy Parker. It's a whole other topic. But like yeah. I th- I feel like, but I feel like, um, I do feel like there is when you're talking about like this shift Marvel movies. I think like, and like yeah, the campification and the archification and the nerdification and the, right. of like mainstream, the mainstream culture of like fanboy and yes. culture. And I think there is like a I think that this goes to like a larger idea of like just a desperation for sensuality and mm. and like um physical experiences or um and I think like fewer people are getting that from music for instance like I think fewer mm. people are like you know because they're listening to podcasts and they're not listening to music yes, and I think that ASMR. Pe- and I and right. I think that people I think experiences. that the, I think mm. the acquisition of information has become eroticized yes. and like and and uh, you know more and more people who are the who are becoming the kind of person who like can't watch a movie without reading the trivia simultaneously. Mm. Like that used to be really 
for freaks like me. Like, yeah. You know, I like that. That used to be like I used to like when IMDb first came out. Right. And we'd watch movies. And I would be on IMDb while we were watching the movies. Like, that was a big no-no. Right. And people were horrified. And now it's like people don't have... It's not just about the attention span, though. That's the thing. I think it's more and more about um, the sensuality of acquiring information and of mm-hmm. stimulating your brain. And people are desensitized. So this right. screaming for David Tennant, it's like, where yes, are you going to yes. get this... Um, where are you going to get the swoon? Like, wh- what's going to make no. you feel, like, mm-hmm. really feel? Mm-hmm. And, like, and I think that, um, you know, women are certainly more conscious of being starved for it. I don't know if they feel it more, but they're more conscious of, like, the of the lack. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead, Emily. Sorry. No. I mean, I, I, we probably don't even have time to get into this, and I know Ruby and I can talk about this particular aspect for a while, but if you think about the 90s, again, pre-9-11, um, mm-hmm. all movies, especially teen movies, there's a huge amount of male erotica. Like, it's all mm. about beautiful, beautiful men. Even, like, mm. Sean Wayans was beautiful. Like, yeah. gorgeous yeah. men, Freddie Prince Jr., etc. And then, of course, you have, like, Radiohead. You do have this kind of... Then after that, well, I think everything that is still to me like kind of lyrical romantic, and elegiac and romantic. Like there's still this kind pastoral. of gush of feeling. Yeah. And then that was, of course, all scrubbed clean in 2000, 2001. So mm. I, I can definitely see what, when you put it that way, I'm like, oh, this completely makes sense. And mm. I think like you've I, I've always wondered, like, where did this happen? And now I'm seeing what you're saying. Like there's a lack of romance and a erotica in the Mm -hmm. world yeah and i think that like you know we're making a um can i say this Mm -hmm. i in june what are we doing potentially a video series yeah yeah yeah. um this this magazine um we are which is now dis art oh excuse me yeah dis art is uh we are doing a collaboration with dis art and making a series of (laughs) slash adjacent (laughs) videos and um uh, one of them is like uh a script we wrote that's in the style of a YouTube video of a like popular academic giving a lecture. Mm. Like, um, cause I think, you know, that idea of like, where did the sensuality go? Where's the feeling? I'm so desensitized. I can't like get off to like, I've gone deeper and deeper into porn, even yeah. hardcore. I can't find anything. And it's like, where do, do you go? Where do you go? Like to the, and then it's like, do I go to the, to the uh, pasture like do i go to the woods do i just listen to astral weeks on repeat just listen to astral Mm -hmm. weeks on repeat etc and i think that like but there you know or like that idea of like maybe i can just get off the phone and then you get off the phone and 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 it's not really an escape Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. um and i think we're experimenting with going this other direction of going further into Mm the like information economy and like trying to write like a Mark Fisher lecture that, Mm. you know, in this, in the style of like a boring two hour lecture that you put on as you're like cleaning your room Mm. and listening to, and then that gets interrupted by something. And like, is there a way out by going through by like overloading and, and, you know, finding some kind of like feeling or satisfaction or pleasure getting into the pleasure of the like impossibility of release or something like that. Listen, it behooves the two of you to figure this out, unfortunately, because I mean, I'm at a place where I'm listening to Annie Lennox diva just over and over again. Like I need something. So if you guys can crack this code as Ruby and I would say, if you can like (laughs) uncover the demonology and and help us return, it's essential that you do. It's really, this isn't sort of like uh, in our friend group. This is sort of like, the underlying chronic topic mm. is is like yeah. in various ways like even talking about friends like that our mutual mm. friends were like well if this happened with that person it would it would right redeem the sexual the lack of erotic energy in the world and like mm. you know what i mean like we're constant we're constantly like fanficking our own friends Sh- shipping, our, shipping friends. our own friends yes <clears throat> absolutely yeah. um so we are kind of running out of time, I guess, oh, unfortunately, because I feel like we've only just yeah. begun, which is terrible. And I know we didn't really get to talk much about Slash. I guess the last question I'd ask is, 
from Slash when it was in Chinatown to Slash now going to Joe's Pub, mm-hmm. um, in terms of the changes that are made, are yeah. are we looking at like are we looking at new characters being yes. thrown in well, or Sh- just Shelley redeveloping? And, Shelley and Byron are now in Slash. Okay, yeah, they were um, the original, <laughs> um, and also draft we they were in the back end. They were in the original draft, and now we've put them back, which was four in. hours long. <laughs> so, but they're incredible extended cut. The big the big change we've made, and I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see what people think of this, is that um, in the original, in not the original Slash, but in the Slash as we performed it in Chinatown, a lot of the content was. Um, adapted from or appropriated or s- stolen from fan fiction posted online, written mm. by Probably people who we thirteen year old yeah people we kids. don't know yeah and um we replaced all that with original writing uh, oh, wow. so that's a big shift yeah. didn't know that yeah so we've yeah. written we've rewritten the whole play so that it's stuff that we wrote I mean but there's still stuff that's collaged like we still have um, Camille Polly and Susan Sontag are in it Shakespeare's still in it. So there's still and Joanna Russ's essay is still in it, but the yeah. fan fiction we have replaced with um, our own fan fiction. Our own fan mm. fiction. So that's a big change, yeah. and um, and, there's, and there's more. There's also and there's there's more of a discussion about um, Betty and Veronica return and have a discussion about um, their child their childhood. Oh, wow. Mm. childhoods. Yeah, and it, which is more getting, yeah. which is actually more yeah. about um, zooming in on the moment. Yeah. Uh, getting into the yearning, like dissecting the yearning. Where did it start? What's yeah. the nature of it? So it's kind of like, it is more didactic, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And, but in being more didactic, it's also um, sillier. Yeah. I, yeah, and I think that there's like, um, it's also shorter, partly partially because it had to be shorter for the venue it's going to, and so there's less mm. of a like, maybe I maybe less of like a schizophrenic like flexing of all the different like of um many different fandoms. Mm. Like it's a little bit more condensed, <clears throat> and to me, it's it's um now it's more like. Uh, I don't even really, you know, it's who a, knows? It's, it's a mystery, but like it, it's it it is a little bit. It, you know, if we're talking, I think the the you know the feminine masculine dichotomy, which we've you know said is does not exist, but we are using it to uh, to talk about it. Like that, in a way, it does feel this version is a little bit more vulnerable. It's, it's definitely getting, more vulnerable. It's definitely more mm. vulnerable, and, and it's also it's also less about what you get and don't get, and there's stuff. That um, there's stuff that is is not meant to be got. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, in the Tiffany and Ivanka scene, we now have them lapsing into this other kind of dialect, yeah. which is like loosely based on Jean like a, a French translation, a bad French translation. <laughs> it, but it's not in a way that is supposed to be recognizable. Like it's yeah. just bad, yeah. and it's just indulgent, <laughs> and, and it's, it's just trusting the unconscious. Yeah, and it's not like um, it's not supposed to like tickle your um, recognition receptors mm-hmm. in the same way that I think some of it was before. Um, well, I'm yeah. sorry we have to end the short, and I'm so grateful yeah. to oh both of you. Um, so we're so grateful yeah, we're so to grateful you, to you. You can follow Leah and Emily at Pretty Boys in Love on Instagram. On Instagram, um, slash hits Joe's Pub on June 10th. And um, thank you all for listening. Thank you so much.